love that song. Amen. Man, how do you not, how can you not, that, that song is incredible. I love that song. Our God is awesome, isn't he? Well, how about we open up our Bibles where we get the true revelation of who God is, right? Let's go to Colossians. Hopefully your uh, 2017 is off to a spiritual start. I know it can be a little crazy. The weather's been a little crazy. One day it's 17 degrees, the next day it's 71 degrees. I don't know what's going on, but uh, hopefully, um, hopefully you've been able to get into a, just a spiritual rhythm, uh, really connecting with God and serving people. And uh, I've been called just for whatever reason. I don't know. It, the, the book of Colossians has just really been speaking to me, and uh, so I've just been studying it again. Uh, hopefully, you're able to find something in Scripture that's really engaging you, uh, that calls you higher and inspires you. And uh, I've been inspired by uh, just my reading of uh, Colossians again. And so this message today just really comes out of what I've been studying in my own personal life. And uh, hopefully it'll encourage you. And uh, what I want to talk about today, I just really want to look at uh, some of the first chapter of Colossians. And uh, I've been inspired about the the message, Paul's heart, the message uh, of what the gospel is really all about, uh, what the true message of the gospel produces in people. And uh, it's just really been been, uh, encouraging uh, to me. So hopefully we can dig into the scripture this morning, be spiritually fortified and uh, really leave uh, invigorated to serve an incredible, awesome God and uh, an awesome Lord Jesus. Amen? So let's pray. Father, you are awesome. We thank you for delivering us, for providing for us. We're definitely grateful that uh, you sent Jesus, and uh, we're grateful for Jesus' willingness uh, to give up of himself, to empty himself, Uh, to die on that cross, and uh, we're grateful for your power uh, that enabled him uh, to rise again. And uh, Father, we want to follow in those footsteps. We want to die to ourselves, and we can't wait to get that new resurrection body when Jesus decides, when you have decided, Lord, to send Jesus. And uh, we can't wait. We don't know when it's going to happen, but Father, we want to stay connected In the scripture, stay connected to your Holy Spirit and uh, really uh, embody lives that uh, are worthy of the sacrifice that it took to give us this life. Father, we we come to you this morning wanting to be humble. We we pray for a a mind that is focused and spiritual and uh, we, we reject the distracting thoughts that enter our minds, Father. In the name of Jesus, we, we pray for just a, a, a single-mindedness for only a few minutes, Father. Help us to, to fight off the phone and whatever else might be uh, attempting to get our attention, Father. And we come in this place this morning not because it's Sunday at 10, but because we want to worship you. Father, help us to get to that place in our hearts. However we get there, help us to get there. Speak to us, Father. Help us not to take for granted what we have in front of us is the word of truth. 
What a privilege to be able to learn how you want us to live. God, help us to grow spiritually. Forgive us where we've fallen short. And uh, pray that this morning will help us get to heaven. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Colossians chapter 1. Paul is writing, uh, Timothy's with him. Paul's writing actually to a church he's never been to. It's, uh, the city itself wasn't all that popular. It had a heyday at one point, but by the time Paul writes, it's kind of on the decline. But uh, guess what? There's some Christians there. And so uh, there was a, a guy named Epaphras uh, who probably was converted by Paul uh, in probably Ephesus, but he was from uh, Colossae. And uh, so he took the, the message that he heard back to his hometown. And uh, we're going to see kind of the fruit of that as we read after Paul uh, gives his greetings. He says in verse 3, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you've already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace and all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Christ on our behalf and who also told us of your love in the Spirit. And I want to stop there before we read on. But I'm grateful that uh, this church was established. Good old Epaphras taking the word back. And what does Paul hear about? Well, he's heard that... uh, He's heard of their faith in Christ Jesus. He's heard of their love and he's heard of their hope. You ever heard of those three words together before? Faith, hope, and love. You've heard that before, right? And if you're not familiar with the scriptures, actually Paul actually writes about these things quite often. Very, very popular place in scripture. He talks about faith, hope, and love and the greatest of these is love. but, But sometimes we can just read over these things. But faith in Christ Jesus is is revolutionary. Don't just read over that. You got to remember that this was a city that did not know who Jesus was. They may have heard the name, but they didn't know the significance of who he was. And so for Paul to say, we've heard about your faith in Christ Jesus. And don't just overlook Christ as if that word doesn't mean anything. Because you've read it so many times. The Christ. The chosen one. The anointed one, the one whom God has chosen to make the world right again, is Jesus. And you've put all of your trust in him. You've put your belief in him. That is is not a small reality. And their faith in Christ was powerful. And, you know, the book of Colossians really kind of hits that, you know, Jesus has to be 
preeminent in your life, not just prominent. He's got to have place number one. And this goes back to what he's saying. You, you know, your faith in Christ Jesus, that he is the anointed one, it's made its way to my ears. And Paul prays for them. And then he says, because of your love for all the saints, that type of love that doesn't come from man. You and I cannot manufacture the type of love that Paul's writing about here. We can have all the best intentions that we want. We can really have affectionate type feelings or brotherly love or sisterly love type feelings for people. But the love that Paul's talking about here is only divinely oriented. It comes from a divine place, a spiritual place that we just can't manufacture on our own. The type of love that, that is willing to put yourself down to lift somebody else up. Wow. To meet somebody else's needs, even if it means taking away from yourself. We don't have that type of love in our own hearts. That comes from God. And that's what was produced in this town that at one point didn't know who Jesus was. But not only was their faith in the right place, it was, it was oriented toward Jesus being the answer that to all the questions that God has sent to this world, and, and, and now they, have, they are exhibiting it in the love they have for each other. The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven. The hope that is stored up for you in heaven. That, that expectation, that, that faithful expectation that there's something greater in store. This life is not the life. There's one greater. There's a life greater than the one we're living now. That all of the things that seem so important to you right now are actually not the most important things in this world. And they had a hope. They actually, Epaphras somehow conveyed this message in such a way that these people who once were worshiping other gods are now believing in, in, in Jesus and who he was and what he did to the extent that they love each other in a deep, sacrificial way. And they do things because they have a belief in heaven. When was the last time you did something spiritually oriented or whatever, service oriented, loving, because of the sole reason you knew you were going to heaven? It was the motivation for you. Because you, you thought about the, the incredible gift it is, the reality that you're taken care of no matter what happens in this life, you're good. And you, you pondered on that, you meditated on that, and it motivated you to actually do something in this earthly life. Has it been a long time? Maybe it has for some of us. It, not here. There's something powerful that the Colossians were feeling about heaven and um, there's a quote that, that you, you know how you can, I say it all the time, you can, any sermon that you do, you can always have a quote from C.S. Lewis, you know what I'm saying? There's one somewhere, right? I really like this one. A continual looking forward to the eternal world is not, as some modern people think, a form of escapism or wishful thinking. But one of the things a Christian is meant to do. It does not mean that we are to leave the present world as it is. If you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. 
The apostles themselves who set on foot the conversion of the Roman Empire, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. Some of you haven't thought about the hope of heaven in years. But you thought about all the problems in the church, haven't you? All the issues you see in each other. Probably thought about that a lot. When was the last time you thought about the hope of heaven? The gift that it is. The reality that it is. To motivate you today. I think we can learn from this. You see, they had that hope in heaven. And then he goes on to say that you've already heard about in the word of truth the gospel that has come to you. The word of truth. You know, the, the, the word, right? You've heard that before. Logos, right? What's that? That's kind of the reasoning, the intelligence, the thinking of God. The logos. Uh, some scholars, even, even outside of religion, the word logos was actually just a, a term that was often used uh, as an ordering principle behind all things. So if you see, if you see order in nature or whatever, people would call that the logos of, of just the universe. And so Paul uses this term, and, and even Jesus used the term. No, there is, there's, what orders the universe is not a principle, it's a person. It's Jesus. He is the Logos of God. John chapter 1. So, so the, word, the word of truth, and, and even that word truth, we struggle with these days, don't we? A lot of people struggle with the concept of truth. It's because, everybody, oh, what's true for you, man? It's true for you. What's true for me? It's true for me. There's no one truth, man. It's just truth is whatever you think about. Whatever you decide for yourself. Well, let me help you understand something. That's not the biblical view. Truth is determined by divine viewpoint. And it is expressed through revelation from above. The problem with me and you is we think, oh, man, if I just think the right way, I'll make my way to God. I'll figure things out. No, 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 no. Truth comes from God makes its way to us. That's how it works. And we struggle with that in this world. Many people struggle with that. But that's, the scriptures don't struggle with that at all. And we got to realize that the word of truth comes through the gospel message. What's the gospel message in a nutshell? Guess what? You and I, we are in a lineage of a fallen race of people. God created man in his own image. But we decided in that garden to reject God, to rebel against God because we wanted to be a God ourselves. We took a better, a better deal, we thought, from God's enemy, the liar, Satan. Why do they call him the liar? Because he doesn't tell the truth. In fact, 
His number one play in Satan's playbook is to get you to think, hey, what did God say? Did he really say it? You need to doubt what he said. There's really no truth. Is that really true? Truth's hard to figure out. That's Satan's oldest play. Some of you still falling for it. No, there is a truth, and it comes from God. And when we obey him, we have a good situation in our lives. And even if the circumstances in our lives aren't great, we still can hold on to God, and he'll get us through because we have the hope of heaven. It all connects. But Satan's been lying. He's always lying, getting us to think all other kinds of things. There are many things in the world that are true, but there's one truth. Truth comes from God, revealed to us through Scripture and through his revelation, even in nature. The word of truth and the gospel, the message that, you know what, even though man has fallen, that God has provided a way through Jesus. And it's what Matt talked about in the communion. I couldn't say it any better. That redemption. We've been purchased. We've been redeemed. We've been rescued from the dominion of darkness. That message of the gospel, it's true. And guess what happened? You know, they, they got that message, and guess what? It's bearing fruit. Paul says this message is bearing fruit all over the world, and it's growing. Sometimes we think that it's the messenger that makes the difference. It's not the messenger. It's not the persuasiveness of the way you deliver the gospel message. It's the, the power is in the message itself. The gospel is the power of God. Romans 1.16 but the problem is, we don't deliver it. In my opinion, a lot of us don't deliver the message as it is supposed to be delivered. Good news. Some of us mix in so much condemnation and you got to do it my way. People leave like, man, that's kind of burdensome. <laughs> I'd rather get some other good news. That's not too good. And sometimes the good news isn't even good to you. Because you've allowed so much other baggage to get into your following of Jesus and you're not even thinking about Jesus. You're thinking about all this other stuff. And the, and the good news isn't even good to you anymore. So, so that's probably why you're not sharing it with anybody else. But you need to get back to the basics. You're a sinner. You don't know anything. You can't save yourself. You can put your faith in your money. You can put your faith in your 401K. You can put your faith in your favorite political party. You can put your faith in your favorite team. You can put your faith in your favorite relationship. But none of that can save you from your sinful ways. It can't deliver you from your own self. There's only one answer, and that's through the gospel message. That even though you can't save yourself, through Jesus, God has done it. And he has given us a way to make it back to him, to free us from the fallenness of this decaying world. Wow, what a message. Are you delivering it that way? Or are you, well, it's one message among many. There's a lot of truths out there. Just Jesus, just one of them probably not going to bear a lot of fruit in your life. But it was bearing fruit there, wasn't it? He said, it's been bearing fruit since the day you heard it and understood God's grace and all its truth. There's that word again, truth. What I love is that, you know what? You have to understand it. You have to hear it and understand it. I appreciate how, you know, God doesn't just circumvent your own thinking. He doesn't just force you to believe it. Just because it's true doesn't mean that you have to actually obey it and believe it. I appreciate God gives us the ability to hear it. And if we understand it, maybe we'll, maybe we'll act on it. And so some people I've met many times in the South, it's like, yeah, I was born, I was pretty much born a Christian. Okay. 
And I get what they're saying, you know, like, I, I, you know, my, my family went to church, you know, so they took me to church all the time. You know, that doesn't mean that you've heard the message and that you've understood. You can hear it and not understand it, but you hear it and you understand it as the truth. Not as one truth among many other true things in the world, but as the truth that God has chosen one person, Jesus, one person, one that is his son, who in his fleshly body took on your sinfulness, paid the price so that you could make it to heaven. There's only one Jesus. He's the way. He's the answer. God made it actually clear and simple. Follow him. Make it home. Be with the Father. That's the gospel. If you don't understand that, then, wow, maybe you really aren't where you need to be. Not maybe, you aren't where you need to be. So thankful for Epaphras in the world. How are you doing being an Epaphras even? I want to be more like Epaphras. One guy, sinful like you and me, shared this message to an entire town, right? Probably only shared it with a few people, honestly. And look what happened. It bore fruit. More and more people became faithful because of just Epaphras sharing his faith in Jesus. Let's read on in verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord, and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. But another great description of a prayer. I love he says he prays that you will be filled with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Two things I want to point out here. First of all, he says you. I want you to be filled. The challenge I think many of us have is when we read a you in the Bible, most of the time we think of me, right? We think of our individual selves. That's just how we're wired, I think. But you've got to remember the context of this letter. <laughs> this is a letter written to a group a lot smaller than you guys maybe even a quarter of this row. And somebody had this letter, right, and read it to a couple dozen people maybe. And so the you was that local group. You know, and I, and I think sometimes it's, it's more powerful to think about, sometimes the scriptures are actually talking about us collectively together and not just us as individuals. You know, the body, the, the scriptures talk about the body of Christ. I mean, that, that's not just talking about one individual person. 
And sometimes we need to read the scriptures as if it, it's collective. And I was even singing the song with all of us just a little, just a little while ago. A lot, one of my favorite songs. You know, God is so good, right? And, and, and what do we say? He's so good to me, right? Nothing wrong with that. But if he, but I was just thinking, man, what are we saying? God is so good, but he's so good to us. It's, it's different. He cares for us. Do you know what I mean? It has a, it has a different feel to it. And, it, and I think it, it, it has a way to connect us to one another. But sometimes he's good to me. Sometimes we're so individualistic that we miss out on the connectivity that the gospel actually produces in a place. Okay? And so, so when, you, when you see you, I, I believe that it's powerful to think of it as thinking of it as all of us together. And I'm praying that for the church, that God will fill us, you know, with the knowledge of, of his will through all spiritual wisdom. And I appreciate that Paul put that word in there because there's a lot of stuff floating out there that's calling itself wisdom. But it may not be of the spirit, right? It may not be, it may not have a divine origin. There's a lot of wisdom out there, a lot of principles that are good and applicable to certain situations, but may not necessarily be spiritual, Right? So I'm grateful for this, this, this kind of, hey, let's qualify the type of wisdom I'm talking about and understanding. I'm talking about spiritual, you know, wisdom and understanding because if you are ignorant spiritually, that leads to wrong living. And we don't want that. And so I, I'm praying that we can be filled with spiritual wisdom and understanding so that we'll live a life worthy of God. Amen. I want to live a life that pleases God, don't you? We all, but not just individually. How about all of us doing that? All of us walking in a way that will inspire God. You know, and what does it say? Bearing fruit in every good work. We don't like the word work, do we, sometimes? Everybody laugh at that one. Well, you were going good. It was all good. Now you're talking about work, right? But notice the order of things. I believe it's important. The order of things is, God, what is your will for us? Fill us with the knowledge of your will, right? And if we, know, if we understand the knowledge of your will, we'll all come together, right? We'll come together and we'll, we'll walk in a way that's worthy of the Lord. And if we're walking with the Lord, we'll gladly, do, we'll gladly work. That's not, shh, that's not a problem because you'll be working through us. It's when we, when we don't seek God's wisdom we're not really walking with the Lord, and so when we do work, it's kind of compulsory. You know, it's like, oh, man, it's drudgery. It can feel like, oh, man, I'm worn out because God's not working through us. And we haven't sought his wisdom. I love that pattern. Seek God's will, that wisdom that comes from him, and then we'll walk the way he wants us to walk. And we'll gladly do whatever work because he's got a lot of work for us to do together, collectively. We got a lot to do, but sometimes we're not really, you know, inspired to do it. Hey, guess what? Brothers, we got a lot of work to do. Amen? We got to love people. We got to love deeply. I want the men that we, hopefully we'll be willing to lay our lives down and serve in whatever way. You know, if we got a family starting in our homes, right? Serving our families. Laying down our lives for our queens and our kids, right? That's what it's all about. We need to step up, right? And, but, but hopefully that type of work is not drudgery, right? 
Hopefully, since we're in this together, since we're a, a, a family of believers, when somebody says, hey, hey, we need somebody to help with parking, right? Hopefully, we're not thinking, oh, man, it's drudgery. Like, hey, put me in the game. Let me, let me, let me do my part, right? We need to man up, brother. Somebody need, we need more guys to stand out there and help people park around here. You know what I mean? Why is that drudgery? Why, why is that? We, look at all these brothers in here. What's up with that? We need somebody to help with some of the lights, right? Come on, brother, step up. Let's do this. Let's lead the way. You know what I mean? Let's work for God because we're grateful. Because he saved us. We got the wisdom. We're together. We need, we need to be willing to do whatever it takes around here, in my opinion. That's just, I don't know, that was an aside, but amen. <laughs> the reason why some of us don't experience certain things and is because, I, I, honestly, I feel like a lot of it is so individualistic and... A lot of us, we're just not connecting to God. And we're working, but we're not working in the spirit of God. In verse 11, you know, it talks about being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. That's an awesome thought. Wouldn't you love to have all of God's power and might strengthening you? I want that. I want that for this church. I want that for North River. Please, God, strengthen us with your glorious might. What would we do if we had all of God's glorious might on our side? You know what? We'd have great, the, the scripture says, so that you may have great endurance and patience. Now, part of me says, that's not very, like, cool. If I'm going to have all of God's strength behind me, I want to do some crazy cool stuff. You know what I'm saying? I want to, like, throw rocks at giants and watch them fall down, you know? I want to go out to the Chattahoochee stand on there and just say, you need to split it half. You know, I wanna, if I'm going to have all of God's might behind me, I want to see some, some seriously incredible stuff going down. So why do you need all of God's might just to be patient <laughs> and endure? <laughs> wow. You know, and, and we go, Wow. Really? So it's like that, you know? But you know what it is, people? It is. Because this word endurance, it, it, it means to persevere. It means to bear up under without surrendering. It talks about a, a, a constancy under suffering while maintaining one's sense of faith. That's what he's getting at. And this word endurance only, only deals with circumstances or situations. You see, we need to rely on, on, that, on that power of God to endure. It's always too early to quit. It's always too early to quit. You need to hold on. Hold on. Bear up under it, the circumstance you might be in. But we need each other, though. That's why that collective you is so powerful. You can't do it alone. We, we need all of God's strength, and we need each other to endure. And that word patience, it gets at self-restraint before proceeding to action. It gives the, it's the power to avenge, but you hold back. And this word only relates to people, right? And you know there's people in here that 
allow you to practice this. <laughs> right? Because we're all sinners. And so we need God's incredible almighty strength to make it through circumstances and to deal with each other. Okay? But if we, if we rely on God, we'll make it. And, and, he's, and joyfully we can make it. You know, the challenge is, is oftentimes we have problems with each other, but we just we don't use spiritual means to deal with the problems. Or we get really discouraged as if you're not even supposed to have relational problems in the church. As if somehow that makes us less than an ideal church. Well, you, you're, you're out there. Open up your Bible, please. M- much of the Bible is written because Christians have problems with each other. So that's just a part of it. If, if we're going to be willing to, to lay our lives down and to try to do our best and to serve, we're going to have issues with one another. But how are we going to deal with them? Hopefully we'll deal with them based on the truths of Scripture and based on the endurance and the patience that, the, that God gives us the power to deal with. And I appreciate that he's the one that qualifies us to share in the inheritance, right? He's the one that rescues us. It's the one, God is the one that initiates all the good things that happen in our lives. And we just got to stop thinking that we're the end-all, be-all. That it's our effort that makes, that makes it happen. It's not you. You didn't initiate the plan to send Jesus. You didn't, do, you didn't lift the finger. Well, I did a bunch of Bible studies, and I was really awesome at repenting. I was such a good repenter, and that, and that, you know, and everyone said so, and that's why, you know, I made it. Ah, mm, uh, no. No. God initiated. He initiated. He started the rescue operation to get you out of the dominion of darkness. He put his life on the line through Jesus. Jesus could have quit the mission and aborted the mission, but he didn't because he had, guess what he had? He had great endurance through tough circumstances. And he dealt with people like you and me in a way that was patient through the power of God so that something great could happen. We are to stand in those footsteps. We need to be like the Epaphrasis that we read about in Scripture. You and I need to get a conviction that what is in the Scripture is the truth, the Word of God. And that there are many other things that call themselves the truth that aren't. And at some point, you got to have courage and conviction and stand up and speak what the scriptures speak about. And that is that the message that Jesus came to embody is the truth. And it's what the world needs. It is a message of love and forgiveness. And if we think of ourselves as a team doing this together, I think it's power. It's even more powerful. You're not doing it on your own. We're doing it together. It's powerful. I mean, I was, I was watching uh, that game on Monday night. I mean, some of you probably watched it, the national championship game. After the game ended, the coach of the winning team, they put a microphone on this guy. He preached. That dude preached for like eight minutes. I guarantee you some producers were like, cut, you know, go to another person or something. This dude, I mean, seriously, he was preaching. They just won a, they just won a national championship. This coach is fired up. They put a microphone in his face. 
You know, coach, what was the difference? I just told my men that love was going to win this game. That's what he said. You're laughing. I'm saying, I'm, that's exactly what he said. He said, I told him, the love you have for each other, that's going to win this game. He said, I told my players, I told them, always let the light that's within you shine brighter than the lights that are on you. That's what this man said on national television after a football game. After a football game. But you and I, man, sometimes we don't let the light that's within us shine. You know what I mean? We don't, because we don't see ourselves as a team. But sometimes we need to be reminded, no, we're in this together. You know, let us be a group of Epaphrases that go out with this message. But as a team, you're hopefully your small group, that's a team. And the love you have is going to win. The love you have for one another is going to win souls for God. Please let that light that's within you shine. But if you don't believe it's good news and it's the truth and it's just one of other truth, it, it, that message is so watered down, that ain't going to help anybody. I'm grateful for Jesus. And I hope you are too. And I hope you can be inspired about who he is so we can go out in this world and change it. And I'm just going to close by reading this poem that uh, many scholars think is, is, is like a poem. And uh, it just lifts up Jesus. Because Jesus is the image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things were created by him and for him. He is before all things. And in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything he might have the supremacy. Because God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him. To reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood on the cross. You see, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish, free from accusation, if you... If you continue in your faith, established and firm, not moved from the hope held out in the gospel, this is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. And the church said, amen. Let's stand up. We're going to sing a closing song.